All right. Good morning, Emmaus. If you would, take your Bible and open to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Now, we have not completely abandoned our Daniel study this morning. Uh, We are still going to use a verse from Daniel as the core idea that's going to move us towards some things we need to see in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And so we're going to get to that in in just a few minutes. In fact, I better find my place uh, uh, first here. 2 Timothy chapter 2. So welcome to a a very different Sunday at Emmaus, as we've we've already said. My name is Owen, and I'm one of the pastors here as well, and this is our serve day. Now, if you need it to rain at your house, just ask us to schedule serve day, and we tend, uh, probably because we schedule it in the middle of May, that doesn't help us either, climate, uh, when you think about the climate in Oklahoma, but we managed to get, get some rain today, unfortunately, but we do appreciate everybody who's been involved in this. I, I love being a part of a church family that is connected to the community and seeking to care in the way that we do. And uh, just our love for Jim Lehu and, and his desire to see the gospel made known in our community and around the world and organizing these opportunities that we have. And so it, it's fun to be a, a part of something like this. And so even if your project didn't work out today in the way that, that you would hope for, I hope it's a drive in your life just to continue to serve the Lord in opportunities that, that he opens up. Let me also say, when we get to the end of the sermon today, I'm going to pray over us, and then we're going to stand together as a church and sing the doxology, sing a final chorus together, and after that, we'll be dismissed. But I want to be really clear with you at that point. Uh, you're dismissed into a time of prayer as well. If you need someone to pray with you, we'll be up here. If you just need to linger a little bit, even as people are dismissing and going, if you just need to stay here for a few minutes and just spend some time in prayer alone before you go out into whatever God has for you, take that opportunity. That's going to be our opportunity to respond. You may be here this morning and you've never been baptized. Uh, You desire to talk to somebody about trusting in Jesus for salvation. As soon as that doxology is finished and, and we dismiss people, know that we're here at the front and we would be honored to pray with you, whatever that looks like, that that's your chance to respond. Uh, let me catch you up on a couple of things going on here at Emmaus. Ne- not next week, a couple of weeks down the road, June 6th, we're going to be moving back to one Sunday morning worship gathering. Um, during COVID, uh, for however long that that's been stretching back into last year, we've been having two Sunday morning worship services. Going into the summer, feeling like where we are as a church and even where things are in our community and state, we're able to make that move back to just one worship gathering. So Sunday school at 9.15, worship service at 10.45, that will start there in, in June. And then the very next day, we have Vacation Bible School. (laughs) So Vacation Bible School is coming at Emmaus. And I know many of you are coming this afternoon at 3 o'clock to the volunteer meeting that's going on. We love Vacation Bible School. The way you can help us with that is invite. Uh, Our feeling is that there's going to be a lot of families, a lot of kids who are just excited to be able to do something again this year uh, with Vacation Bible School happening. And so if you know families who would be interested in Vacation Bible School, help us get the word out. First week in June, we're going to begin to to do those type of things. And then June 13th, that Sunday morning, 
we are going to be hosting one of our membership information meetings. We have a lot of people that have visited our church over the last year, year and a half, and it's been a strange time to join a church and, and get formally connected. But if you're interested in what that would look like here at Emmaus to, to join, to commit, to being part of this church family, June 13th is, is a really key opportunity to do that. Ask me questions. We'll be able to connect, share more about the church. It's a chance to take another step in getting connected. So I wanted to begin to put that out in, in front of you as we move that direction. This morning, though, we are going to focus in on some verses from 2 Timothy chapter 2. And the way I want to begin is by asking you this question. What was your first job? like the first big kid job you had that, that you got paid for. So my parents uh, were public school teachers for years and years and years and are still connected to, to that in a lot of ways. But because they were public school teachers, we also mowed yards uh, year round. And especially in the summer, we did a lot of lawn mowing. And so lawn mowing to me, lawn mowing, weed eating is therapeutic. And I say that without any sarcasm. I love to mow the yard. I love to, I love to weed eat. Now, the, the flowers, the gardening, I'll leave that to somebody else. I don't find that therapeutic. I find that just nerve-wracking. But uh, when it's lawn mowing, weed eating, I love that idea. But my first job outside of my parents was working for a concrete construction company. Uh, one of the deacons in our little church there in Central High, there in Southwest Oklahoma, one of our deacons owned a concrete construction company, and he wanted to, uh, let's use the word, maybe trick some high school students into helping him. Uh, he asked us to help him. I don't think we knew what we were getting into when we signed up to, to work concrete, but I thought this will be really interesting. So we got to the first job site to do concrete work, and he said, guys, your most important job here is to clean the tools. Like, clean the tools? I didn't sign up for this. I signed up to, to work concrete. He said, if our tools aren't cleaned and taken care of well, we'll never be able to do the work that we need to do. And I learned something in that high school job there about taking responsibility, having clean tools, being prepared for what you need to do to get the job done. Uh, I think about our ladies around here that, that sew and make quilts. Nothing will get you in more trouble than taking those ladies' scissors and cutting something other than fabric with them. Like, if you want to get in trouble, take a lady's fabric scissors and cut something else and find out how that, well that goes for you. Uh, like, that's the perfect way to get in trouble. If you don't take care of your tools, if you don't take care of what you've been given, things aren't going to work the way they're supposed to work. Now, what does this have to do with anything that we're talking about this morning? Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, has some very interesting phrases there. Daniel 1.8 says that Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. So Daniel and his friends are there in Babylon living in another land that, that doesn't follow the ways of God and has other foods that are being offered. And that word defile is very interesting there because it has a, it's a word that has to do with people or vessels that might have been used in the temple in, in worship of God that, that would be used for God's purposes. So when Daniel and his friends find themselves in Babylon, 
they don't want to disobey God because it would defile them and in the process, it would disqualify them from participating in the mission of God in that place. God had placed Daniel and his friends there in Babylon and given them a mission, but if they defiled themselves, they would not have been able to carry out the mission that God had given them. Today, as we talk about Serve Day at Emmaus, as we talk about being a church that serves and makes a difference, holiness is directly related to our service and mission before God. We don't go out serving God or being on mission apart from the holiness that God gives. Now, why is this concept of holiness so important? Let's remember what we're talking about when we talk about holiness. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, to the church of God that is in Corinth. Now, if you know anything about the book of Corinthians, they've got some problems <laughs> in the church. Like, this is not a church that you would immediately think of as holy. But what does he say? To those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. When we talk about holiness, we have to hold on to this tension here that you find over and over and over again in Scripture. How are you made holy? It's because of the work of Jesus in your life. He is the only one who can cleanse us. How are we saved? It is the work of God that saves us, that makes us holy, that, that $100 theology word, sanctify. That, is, that happens in Christ. So what are you called to do? Well, you're called to be holy. <laughs> People who are made holy by Jesus are called to live holy lives. God's divine power that only he can do, only he can save you, only he can make you truly holy, what are we called to do? Be holy. Be who God has created you to be. Daniel and his friends are set apart. They're placed there in Babylon. What's their call in Babylon? Be holy. Be who God has called you to be. Now that takes us to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Here's where we get into the verses for this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself, there's that idea of being holy, cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. When I think about us as a church family, when I think about God's work in my life and in your life, those are the kind of phrases that I hope characterize us. What do we want to be true for us, Emmaus? We want to be set apart as holy, realizing that's not something that we can do. We're, we're not calling ourselves holy because we want to be better than everybody around us or trying to prove ourselves. We are made holy, set apart by God for his purposes, useful to the master of the house. God, I want my life to be useful. I don't want to waste my life. I want us to be useful for the work you have. I want to be ready for every good work. How do we get ready to do what God's called us to do? How can we be useful to God? Well, we need to be set apart as holy. <laughs> Think about how many championships have been lost or how many businesses 
have been ruined because a key person in the organization or on the team disqualified themselves because of certain behavior. So you're getting ready for the big game. Nothing could go wrong. We're obviously going to win this game. And the week before or the night before, one of the main players goes out and does something dumb and gets themselves either arrested or kicked off the team. Or your business is going well and everything's growing and we're moving in the right direction. And one of the key people in the business does something wrong, takes money, corrupts the organization. Everything was leading toward this is going to go the right way. But because the people involved were not ready, were not set apart as holy, were not useful, they weren't able to do what God had called them to do. Now here's the key I want you to see in these verses. There are two pathways that we have to follow if we're going to serve the Lord. There are two pathways we are called to serve. The first is holy living. If we are going to be useful to the Lord, if we are going to be involved in the service that he has called us to, we are called to holy living. Verse 22, so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Now here's a neat connection with the Daniel story that we've tried to connect to the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. When you see that phrase in your Bible there, flee youthful passions, the story that comes to my mind is the story of Joseph in Genesis chapter 41 where Potiphar's wife is trying to draw Joseph into the bedroom, trying to draw Joseph into a relationship that he doesn't need to be in. And what does Joseph do in that situation? He flees. Now granted, she grabs uh, part of his robe, but, but he flees that situation. He says, if I'm going to be used by God here in Egypt to where God has placed me, I've got to get away from this situation. He flees these youthful passions. <laughs> the word youthful there, what it means is unable to see long-term consequences. Do you know anybody in your life who has trouble seeing the long-term consequences of their actions? Uh, the frontal lobe in the brain is not fully established it's not fully grown out you think about the love that we have for kids and teenagers and young adults and and all the energy and excitement that comes from that one of the challenges of being younger in life being youthful is we have a trouble seeing the long-term consequences of our actions and it's easy to pursue something that looks good on the short term but it's going to take you down a road you don't need to go down and paul is saying to timothy if you're going to be useful to the things that God wants you to be doing, flee youthful passions that look good in the short term but lead to destruction and pursue things that are going to last. The best thing you can do in your youth and your young adult age and as you're trying to think, God, I want to be useful in your kingdom, pursue righteousness. Be a person of faith, a person of love, a person of peace. As we grow in those things, God prepares us to do what we need to do. If we're going to serve the way God wants us to serve, we need to pursue holy living because there's a danger here that I want you to catch. Sometimes we are tempted to serve in order to gain holiness. Or people serve to try to prove something or impress people or cover over a lack of holiness in their life. And man, that'll get you in trouble. We see churches that, that fall apart from the inside out because people are serving, busy, busy, look at all these things I can do for the Lord, and under the surface, it's not good. 
It's not solid. There's lack of holiness under the surface, and eventually that will erode. That will not hold up. And so we want to serve from an overflow of holiness, not serving in a way to gain God's holiness. That's the work he does in your life through Jesus when he brings salvation. And as he makes us holy, he sends us out to serve. So that's the first pathway is holy living. The second pathway to serving God is holy speech. Back up in 2 Timothy 2, just a couple of verses. Go back to verse 16. It says back there in verse 16, Avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. I mean, there's, a, there's an image for you. <laughs> this idea and irreverent babble here in verse 16 has a lot to do with false teaching about Jesus and the resurrection, things that, that are not true, but it also has to do with gossip and slander and arguments and the danger of constant whispering among groups. This group whispers about something and the whispering over here and this, in a team or a business or an organization or a church, this type of talk is absolutely toxic because it spreads so quickly through a group of people. And it gets into the groundwater, and it just poisons everything that that group of people is supposed to be all about. The way that we serve the Lord is directly connected to the way that we speak to one another. Our words, how we speak, what we say, will either open or close doors for ministry. Our service to the Lord is directly connected to what comes out of our mouth. And you find this later in in this chapter. We go over to verse 23. Skip over a couple of verses back to what we were looking at earlier. Verse 23. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies because you know that they breed quarrels. Um, If you like to make uh, notes in your Bible or you're just taking some notes as we go along, your connection with this verse is James chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. In James chapter 4, it talks about how these passions wage war within us and and how these passions and these arguments will lead to quarrels, which will eventually lead to fighting, which will eventually lead to murder. This idea that the words that we speak have to do with the relationships that we're building with people. And don't get in to foolish, ignorant controversies. In the book of Proverbs, in one verse, it will say, answer a fool according to his folly. <laughs> and then in the next verse, it will say, don't answer a fool according to his folly. Part of wisdom and maturity in life is figuring out which controversies to wade into and which you don't need to have anything to do about. Um, we talk to our kids a lot of times about, does that situation in life really deserve that level of emotional energy that you're pouring into it? Because we live in a world where you will be tempted to pour emotional energy into everything around you. Like everything is designed to ramp you up. Everything is designed to get your attention. And you're just constantly, friends, not every situation deserves all your emotional energy. Not every controversy is worth wading into because a lot of them are foolish and ignorant. Ignorant here just means unlearned. This is people who are arguing about something and they don't have a clue what they're arguing about. <laughs> they just like to argue about it. They don't understand the content of the argument. They don't understand the goal of the argument. They're just in it for the argument. Don't get into those situations. 
They don't lead anywhere good. They don't lead toward being able to serve. Look at the next verse, verse 24. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. One of the things we find is that people who are constantly caught up in arguments, you know what they don't do a lot of? Serving other people. Something that will stop us from serving others is when we're constantly caught up in internal arguments. The Lord's servant cannot operate that way. Which tells us, as you think about uh, radio preachers, podcasts you listen to, things you see on social media, if you see a teacher of the word, if you see a, a leader of a church constantly wading into controversies and, and arguments, that's a huge red flag. Because what we find right here is the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, instead kind, able to teach. In other words, giving material that's going to lead us somewhere, not just get us caught up in a cesspool of, of arguments, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents in gentleness. So hear me out here. We're not backing down from the truth of God's word. That, that's not the case. Like we, we stand for God's word. We stand for truth, but we do it from a perspective of gentleness. And so as you think about your life, remember, what I speak and how I speak will either open or close doors for ministry. If we are gonna be used in the service of the Lord, how we speak, holy speech, makes a difference. God, you've called us to this ministry. You've called us to the service of the church. Let us live in a holy way. Let us speak words that are patient and kind and gentle. For what purpose? Like, where are we trying to get with all this? Look at the middle of verse 25. What's the result of this? That God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. What is Paul's hope here? Recognize, none of us can save another person. Try as you might, you're not going to be able to change another person's heart, and you can definitely not change another person, save them from their sin and death. But what is the key here? That God may grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. Who in your life do you know they need repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. Who do you know who is caught up, and, and this is language we don't use very often, but caught up in the snare of the devil. Uh, they're giving their life to things that don't really amount to anything. They're giving their lives to things of this world, not to eternal things. They're caught up in controversies and arguments that don't have anything to do with the way of God. Who do you know in that situation? And how might God use your life and your words to draw them to repentance, to draw them to the truth, to draw them to the hope of Christ. And you may be here this morning, and what you really need is you need that repentance that draws you back to truth. You've been chasing after a lot of things that frankly are a waste if we were just really straightforward, and, and that are a lie, and that will not lead to eternal life, and God is calling you back again 
He's calling you repentance, calling you to the truth. You've been caught up in the snare of the devil. Like, you wouldn't say it in that many words, but, but you've been caught up in slander and accusations. You're believing lies about your own life that aren't true. That's what the devil does, is constantly feed lies into our life. You're, you're caught up in those things, living for the things of the world, and God is drawing you back. One of the things I love about Emmaus so much is the way that we are able to serve in our community, seek to make an impact in the world around us. But one thing I don't want you to miss about Jim's heart in this and, and about who we are as a church is we are not serving in the community just to do a good work. We're not serving in the community that people would say, wow, look at that church, look at all the things they're trying to do. Why do we serve? With a hope that people would be drawn to repentance, drawn to the truth of the gospel, drawn out of the snare of the devil and to find the arms of a loving father who is receiving the name saying, this is what I've created you for. We serve for gospel purposes. We serve because we love God and we love others. How are we going to be able to continue to do that as a church? When we pursue holiness and when we speak in a way that honors the Lord. As a church, I want to do everything I can to set an example and to teach God's word and to lead us down that road. And as a church, frankly, I want us to be really careful about where we invest our emotional energy and what kind of arguments we get caught up in and don't have anything to do with. Because in those ways, we can remain focused on what God has called us to. At this point, I would love to pray for you. Pray a blessing over you. We're going to be able to stand and seeing the doxology as we think about the hope that we have through Christ. And they're going to be dismissed, but I hope you'll use this as a time of reflection and, and a reminder that we're up here and we'd love to pray for you, whatever you're going through in life. Let me pray for you right now. Then we're going to be dismissed. Fathers, we think about a day like today, um, how we schedule serve day to purposely correspond to the end of a school year <laughs> where parents and kids are, are tired and, and just trying to get to the finish line of a school year. And as we also think about going into a summer that we're so excited about, uh, a new student pastor coming, vacation Bible school coming up, people coming back to church and being able to have meals together and connect together in, in a fresh way. God, we are excited about this summer. And God, we want to be used by you. As a church, we don't want to sit back on the sidelines. We don't want to go through the motions. God, we want to be empowered by your Holy Spirit to be used by you. But we cannot miss the call to holiness. God, that as we pursue holy living, and as we speak in a way that is holy and honoring to you, you will open up doors for ministry. And God, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning who has never experienced your salvation, who has never turned from sin and trusted in Jesus, God, in the quietness of this room, that they would do that. That they would know that you are loving and good that you have defeated all of the sin and the brokenness and death of this world and you promise life and life eternal 
God, as a church, we pray that that would happen. God, we pray that you would use your people in the days to come and that we would see many people drawn to salvation, baptism, repentance, renewal, revival. God, do that work in us. And God, thank you so much for the people who are here this morning to worship. Bless them as we prepare to go. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. 